0: Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR 2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit Johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. This is Teachers Talk Radio at The Bet Show. Do you like Teachers? Yes, I do like Teachers. Uh, Because they do a brilliant job at creating the next generation of citizens
1: do I like teachers yeah
0: do you like
2: teaching yeah do you want to stay in teaching I don't know (laughs) and what do you teach
3: Uh, I teach uh, kindergarten
2: yes I think teachers are very important I don't believe a school can work without a teacher Teachers, teachers, lots of important stuff in the world. Yeah. Have you just typed this into ChatGPT? What can I say in an interview about teachers? AI is an amazing thing.
4: I, I'm a
1: teacher. I'm a high school librarian in Croatia. What would you talk about about, about books, about uh, why children must read, and must read the, uh, even more and more, and why the, the, the skill of reading is important in our digital society. Okay, okay. thank you.
5: <laughs> thank you. Have a nice day. Say. Thank you. What do you love about teaching? Um, I love my students. That's the the main reason why I, I'm working this job. Connecting and uh, seeing them grow and develop and uh, uh, become uh, grown-ups. That's that's the best part of my job. Thank
4: you.
2: Do you like teachers? I love them. <laughs> Do you like teachers? Uh, yes, I think they're
4: the best people in the world.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio at The Bet
2: Show. Okay, welcome back to The Bet Show podcast on Teachers Talk Radio. We've got a very special interview now with Jan Crow Larsen. The reason we're here is to talk about the partnership that uh, Collins and Area 9 have on a new product called Adapt. Um, Jan, do you want to tell us just a little bit about your background first for our listeners so they can get an understanding of um you and what your role in this is and why it's so exciting yeah
6: yeah thank you very much for asking the question unfortunately i'm not the owner i'd love to be but i'm the chief product officer and i've I've been working in this space for about 25 years yeah it it feels like i am (laughs) at least because i've been in the company for a bit more than seven years and um i've been in 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 the space uh, 15 years prior to that in publishing textbook publishing uh, even, I'm a Chief Product Officer, but I'm not a technical background. I, I have a Masters in Foreign Language Acquisition and I've worked at a university on language acquisition and so my uh, love and passion is learning. And that is really the rn Lyceum uh, idea, learning. How do we make people learn? So based on cognitive science, based on research, how do we develop a technology and launch a technology that drives learning and supports the teacher in the classroom? And that is the purpose of what we do in the partnership with Harbor Collins. So what Harvard Collins brings, which is uh, unique of course, is the full curriculum. The knowledge of haute couture content that is the greatest uh, curated content that we can get access to. And then we merge that with the technology that enables this as a personalized learning experience. Not to replace a teacher, but to support the teacher and support the teacher intervention. We want to make sure that when the students are sitting on their own independently when they cannot necessarily get help from their parents, uh, when they sit and they need to get to mastery of something, what they need to do is then to get the help they need. See that the content is not just challenging, it's supportive. See that the content is moving them somewhere and that the teacher, when they meet up in the classroom, maybe the next day, maybe the next minute, because they've been doing it in the classroom, the teacher understands them and can focus on something they really do not understand yet. So it's the personalized learning experience that's really our focus.
2: What I wanted to ask you next is, what? So with Adapt, the platform, what what does it do? What, what yeah. does this platform? In a nutshell, yeah. if you were to explain to a teacher yes. like our listeners, what's the benefit in Adapt and what does it do?
6: In a nutshell, it enables the teacher to assign content to the student that the students are then working on independently. So this is something the younger teachers, younger students' uh, classrooms are doing, maybe in the classroom. So we're all gonna work with our iPads for 15 minutes. Instead of doing something drilling through questions, we're gonna do adaptive learning. Or in the older age groups, the teacher assigned content the students would do at home and then get into the classroom maybe the next day. When the teacher has assigned the content, the students work independently. They work with the platform, they get feedback, they go through the course, and they all get to proficiency in the same product. We're not taking students to say, you only learn this and you learn that. We make sure that all the students have the same proficiency when they finished, but some may take five minutes, some may take 15 minutes. And then this teacher can see in the data how much time did they spend, where did they struggle, what can I do to get them all up to the same level, and what should I focus on in the classroom.
2: And what's the AI element behind this? Because I know AI comes into it. Where, yes, where the, does that come the,
6: Well, there's a lot of talk about AI and uh, black box and all of that, but this is really based on proven algorithms that we've used, with have, have more than 30 million learners, billions of data points to refine these algorithms. And the you can say that the adaptive window, the way it treats learners, actually adapts according to age group and according to content as well. Okay. So it's not AI learning about a student, finding your master learning path, that does not work. Because your learning path in math today is different than your learning path in science tomorrow. So what we need to do with algorithms is identify how are you just now, how confident are you, where are you struggling, how do I help you? So we do have AI in the technology in many areas, but in the learning path piece, that's actually based by proven algorithms and different ones to identify where to go, how to challenge you, and also how to support you when you struggle.
2: Well, you're obviously excited about this, this product, Adapt, um, by colleagues. What is there anything about it that you think makes it either unique or exciting for a teacher to try.
6: Yes, the unique part is that multi-level of adaptivity. No one else can do that. What other technologies are doing break, break
2: is... Break that down for us. What does that yeah. mean?
6: So a, in a, an adaptive learning product, we all know what is adaptive. Adaptive means that it yes. sort of changes the learning path. Some technologies, they've changed the learning path. They move you up or down into a different learning path that has been predetermined by humans. So there are a number of learning paths to take you through. We do not do that at all. That's unique. Instead, we're saying in this course on negative numbers, we have 50 learning objectives. The algorithm identifies how best to teach you on those 50 learning objectives. There's no predetermined learning path whatsoever, but they all get to the same proficiency. That's unique. What's also unique is the metacognitive learning path. So we pick up data on metacognitive uh, learning, metacognitive knowledge, and we teach that as part of it. So it's not just the knowledge domain, it's the meta knowledge domain. We actually make them better learners as they study in the platform.
2: Got you. Um, and how? I mean, you might know this, but how does a teacher find out more about this?
6: I would say go to Har- Collins because I'm from Area Nine, but we yeah. are actually sort of hidden behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, but from... speak to Collins
2: Come over, um, Collins How could uh, teachers find out more about the Adapt product? Where do they go? What do they do? They
7: can visit our. They can visit our website. Uh, um and yeah there's all our contact details on there so please get
2: in touch fantastic thanks ever so much Jan for your time um, thank it you it was excellent and uh, yeah look forward to seeing you at another bet show in the future yeah.
0: this is Teachers Talk Radio at the Bet Show
5: how does that make you feel as a woman?
4: Special. It's actually literature, not literacy, in that sense, because, yeah, it's it's magical, I mean, if I take myself back, uh, when I wrote my first children's book, my first children's book came out, which is exactly 50 years ago, by the way, it was March 1974, and um, I, I couldn't possibly have imagined that any of my stuff would necessarily be, as it were, in the folk memory of people and families. That they would say things and repeat my stuff. I, I had no sense of that. That would happen. And I've done very little television. I mean, in the, in the way that if you do television, then these things are passed on very quickly and things become catchphrases and so on. So all this stuff has mostly come just through the books. So that's, that's magical. People have forgotten that books can be as powerful in this century um, as they were in centuries past. And do you think that kind of. Engagement that young people are having is important to their development? Yes, I mean it's, it's hard to put your finger on it, but um, the, way we ex- the way in which we become more wise, the way in which we think about things, part of that can be because of the resources we have from literature. Literature is about lots of, if you like, you would call them personal and social experiments. That's what goes on in literature. Yes, what's happening is that, you know, if you just think Jack and the Beanstalk, it's an experiment. Will Jack, will he be able to cope with the money that he, that he gets from the, the stranger? Oh, it isn't <laughs> money, it's beans. Well, what's he going to do with the beans? And his mum takes it off him and throws him out the window. Oh no, that's the end of the story. Oh no, Beanstalk grows. How's he going to cope with that? Oh, I tell you what, he's curious. He's farm up it. These are all personal and social experiments. They're very good. So that's, that's why they're in that situation. So is this that's a way right. out of poverty? Lots of stories are like that. can and Gretel about poverty. So all these stories are like personal, as I say, personal social experiments. So when we read them together, then you're experimenting with a sort of rehearsal of life. And that gives you more resources to cope with life itself. You know, And it can be myth it can be like a fairy story, it can be like a myth. It could be like Odysseus and struggling with what he had to cope with, you know, with Scylla and Charybdis and Circe and the rest of them, and you think, oh wow, you know, he coped with that, I wonder whether I can cope with it. Now look, he survived, I survived. So a lot of these stories are about whether you can survive the story or survive like the character in the story. So all this gives us resources, it gives us strength, it gives us ideas and wisdom and thought. And you experience these feelings almost as if they're your own, uh, but they're not your own. So it's, uh, it's it's very interesting and very powerful. I think what you've described there is exactly what my Tommy there is, was doing in, in in that
5: video. Is he's re- using your story in this case as a, a kind of
4: scaffold, kind of thing to understand the world around him and interact with the, the right. river at the beach, and, and also to sense it. You see, there they are. They're enjoying puddles in the sand there's this lovely texture on your feet so the the bit in the book you know it says uh, thick oozy mud so it's sort of got a a way to describe it then it says squelch squirt so you've got that onomatopoeic sound of it so then when you play with that as your boys are doing when they're playing with that then you know they can vary it change it they can go Sand, sandy sand, wet sand, they could play with it. They could go through mud in the forest and in whatever. And so also books can give you a space in which to explore these things for yourself in your own language. You can get hints from books saying, oh, well, I could do things like that. In fact, one of the most powerful generators of ideas and so on in in books is that if you say to yourself, oh, well, I could write like that, speak like that, perform like that, Oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much. And, I, yeah, I'm sorry to share my family album with Absolutely. you.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio at The Bet Show. Do
2: you like teachers? No. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. No, no, it doesn't. Sometimes, yeah. What percentage of the time do you like them? Uh, probably about 28%. 20, 28? It's quite specific. I'm married to one, so I have to.
0: <laughs> this is Teachers Talk Radio at The Bet Show.
2: And the Ministry of Education. For what country? Oman. So what do you do for the Ministry of Education in Oman?
3: I... Uh, my teaching provide teaching is. Schools. What's equipment uh, good for uh, teachers? I have more than physical things, like uh, okay. football, maps. Okay, thank you. We're in a situation where our teachers
8: move around so frequently, we didn't yeah. want anything built into the actual screen um, because log off, log on times with for a 40 minute lesson yeah. can, can be too long. So that's why they
2: take their equipment with them yeah. and it, it saves time as they're as they moving yeah, around. Whereas if you have a dedicated
8: room that's for a specific subject, then having the software built into the screen or you know a device that's connected into the back yeah. of it permanently is, is also a good solution. Absolutely. So surface devices though, USB C as a as a
4: connectivity, one cable in, this will charge and it'll do everything for you. Yeah, we've
8: done docking for our support staff actually. Oh, okay, yeah, um, yeah. So we've transitioned from desktop PCs to docking stations for, for everybody recently. Um, so yeah, the, the same, the same could work.
2: Excellent. In the in yeah, the okay. classroom,
4: I think we've got some.
2: Of this could work. You never know. This could work. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What, what's your role? I'm IT manager. Okay. So uh, you I have don't... to look after all the IT jazz. Yeah, when the teachers forget the password. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, I look after all the IT. And how'd you find that? Great. Yeah. Enjoy it. I've been at the same place now for 13 years. Yeah. So, and how many times does a teacher come to you with a technology concern every day? Every day. I think we've had one member of staff about four or five times. <laughs> yeah. Every, every the day's day. It's not Paul
5: Hazard, is it? I enjoy teaching. What I don't enjoy is the uh, parent feedback. Uh, kind of a lot of like kind of saying that what I'm doing is personally incorrect, and um, that is quite hard. I find that is, that's more stressful than the teaching itself um, because there's an expectation of what I'm what I need to be doing, what I need to be helping with. That's one thing that makes me uh, can cause uh, stress and anxiety. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah, that's the biggest one. I think that the teaching, working with the kids, yeah. is great. Yeah. Yeah, planning understandable. Yeah, you're gonna have lots of kind of stuff, assessment stuff to do. But that's the one thing that makes you feel judged. I think The school systems not doing what they would like to do. That information possibly hasn't been shared when it needs to be shared. um, Which
2: sometimes is not always our fault. Maybe management. uh, uh, Yeah. and yeah. you sometimes
5: go home thinking, what the hell am I doing? here? Yeah, sometimes you get that odd email going. Oh, that's not nice. Yeah, yeah And, that, and yeah. that's the that kind and of. I'm a, I'm a human, yeah. not, a, not a robot. And you t- uh, uh, just a, yeah, just a teacher at the end of a at the end of an email.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio at the Bet
8: Shop.
3: Why do you like Teachers Talk Radio? I find the uh, show very inspiring, I'm learning a lot from it, got, you've got great guests, um, and it's just good shared knowledge really.
8: So I'm here at BET2024 today with? Uh, Harry. Harry, why are you here today? Uh, so I'm here to learn a bit more about what's going on in the university scene, see what the latest in EdTech is and yeah, see so everything's about. Okay.
3: Are you finding what you need? Anything uh, interesting? I have only just got here. i <laughs> have only just I've just arrived. been having a wander around and there is definitely a lot to choose from, so. There is a lot, isn't there? Mm. Yeah, let's hope
8: you have a great day, Harry, and thank you very much. Thank you very much. You thank too. You.
3: So I'm
2: here with? Eduardo, Borda d'Agua, from Portugal, Porto. And what's your purpose here today? Well, we are a school uh, from, from Portugal based in Porto, and we are always looking for new technologies to bring to the to our kids in the school. Great. Yes. And are you finding what you need? Yes. We are finding some, some things that we, we want to, to integrate in the school and a lot of other stuff that we didn't even know that exists. So it's a fantastic Excellent. thing to be here. Yes. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you.
3: Can I ask you what your
2: thoughts are on BET 2024? It seems, it's obviously very AI focused this year, isn't it? Um, yes, it is looks good so far
3: and what's your main purpose here today
2: main purpose really is to look at uh, Chromebooks for teachers and um, just better ways of casting yeah so that's that's the focus here today great okay is this
6: like a day out of school
3: then it is yeah Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) is that a good thing yeah (laughs) very good super Here at BET 2024, and I'm talking to. My name is Sadri. I'm a teacher assistant at Minerva University. So, we came to BET out of curiosity to meet new people, see new solutions in ed tech, discover new innovations and technologies, and it's very exciting to be here. Yeah, so the Minerva program for curriculum is a little bit particular, special. Our Undergrad studies involve traveling to several different countries. We have San Francisco, South Korea, Taiwan, Taipei, India, and Hyderabad. Then we move to Argentina, Buenos Aires. Then we come to London. Here, finally, Berlin. And for graduation, we go back to San Francisco.
6: Great. So we
3: do have different curriculums uh, between computer science, business, sustainability, arts and humanities, and. Natural National Sciences as well. Yeah. Okay. So these countries are tech hubs for innovation. We do have the opportunity to have internships that we call civic projects with civic partners there. And we entertain professional relationships with them. We start startups, we help them with their projects. We bring a fresh look into their projects. And that's why we do travel to different countries. We also have different projects called LBAs, Location Based Assignments. This is where we, as students, can develop new ideas in the countries we're in or create uh, new projects independently from our partners. So, travelling to all these different countries as a student? Yeah. That sounds really boring. Does it? I have no idea. <laughs> that must be fantastic, but... Yeah, it's very fantastic. Yeah. Specifically, the, the curriculum is very intense. So you're not like enjoying your life 24-7. You also do have to work a lot. (laughs) Yeah, so so we have both parts of like a good curriculum academically. We do enjoy the traveling as well.
6: I would say so. Yeah,
4: yeah. You would be very rare if you were a student that didn't enjoy university life. (laughs) Listen, thank you very much for talking to us today. Thank you very
3: much.
2: Welcome back to The Met Show with Teachers Talk Radio. Um, we've been here the whole three days. It's been an absolutely fabulous uh, experience for everybody involved. We've had a team of like 10, 15 people over the three days. Um, lots of current hosts, former hosts, team members, people who've been getting involved. It's been absolutely brilliant. Um, see, Bucky really positive their uh, messages for me. Um, and um, <laughs> uh, It's been amazing. So I've now got today at VET with um, three special guests. I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves. So Mark, if you want to start.
6: Yeah, hi,
8: I'm Mark. I'm uh, Tom's uh, personal microphone holder. <laughs> I'm also available for weddings and bar mitzvahs. And I've uh, uh, <laughs> uh, people often know me as the ICT evangelist. Uh, I'm a former teacher, middle senior leader, local authority lead teacher for computing. I've written a few books, uh, won a few awards for my blog, like the UK Education Blog of the Year Award, that sort of thing. Uh, I left the classroom and leadership in 2015, been running my own consultancy since then, working with schools around teaching, learning, digital strategy, impactful uses of technology, hence the reason why I'm at uh, a technology show. Uh, I now work part-time alongside my consultancy work at a company called NetSupport. And uh, if you were watching the show yesterday, you all have seen Al Kingsley. He's uh, my friend and boss at uh, NetSupport. Uh, And I work there a few days a week supporting them around teaching and learning and impactful uses of technology as well. I've got a book coming out uh, in a very short while, uh, end of March, hopefully, uh, on out uh, of John Cap. Uh, very nice sponsor, at Talk Radio. Uh, so if you want to learn more about that, edtechplaybook.co.uk. And I'm co-authoring that with a gentleman called Ollie Lewis. If you're looking for someone else uh, sharing about great uses of edtech, please do follow him at Lewis underscore coaching on uh, x. Uh, Or Twitter, if you prefer to still call it that, Uh, and Ollie Lewis on all of the social media platforms. I could talk an awful lot, but I'm mindful that an elevator pitch needs to actually stop at some point. Uh, So I'll be quiet. i read, mate.
2: Uh, It's just introduced to higher (laughs) Mark Anderson. But, you know, this isn't sponsored by
3: Wikipedia,
8: by the way, so don't worry. Um, Happy days. And uh, you've got uh, Camille here as well. (laughs)
7: Hi, I'm Kavita, uh, co-founder of Synaptic, a former secondary science teacher um, based at Hertfordshire. So now I'm um, at Synaptic. What we do is we use AI to uh, automatically mark descriptive answers and give instant feedback for GCSE science questions. So that's what we do, and I'm going to pass it on to
1: Bucky. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, Bucky Yusuf, senior leader in a special school, science lead, science teacher. Um, leadership consultant, leadership consultant, leadership coach, and educational consultant, yeah. author, trustee. As Mark described, lots of things and lots of different parties to do with education. Um, yeah, look me up on Google. There's lots of things. So yeah, happy oh, yeah. to be here.
2: I mean, to be fair, <laughs> we have three experts here in the field of educational technology and just sort of um, education in general. So we're going to ask some questions about those things next. So, um, Mark, do you want to? I, I want to ask you first. Um, about uh i've sort of asked you this before a few months ago but just based on your experience of that is there anything that stood out for you from being here that before coming here you hadn't really considered or didn't think about
8: uh, no not really okay that's fine that's yeah yeah so, yeah it was as you predicted it would be yeah yeah, yeah. The one thing i really loved though actually i think it's maybe a reflection on the times in terms of like schools have got their money for tech right so many of the companies that, that often that you talk about is hard sells yeah right and and i have what i've been seeing actually is far more positive conversations lots of giveaways of resources and you know implementation with technology is hard right it's about developing confidence and competence and and getting a a, a baseline of, of, of comfort in using technology there. Now, it's all up to our game during the pandemic, but um, it's been lovely seeing, you know, I'm bookie speaking on the Google stand shortly, actually, just doing a little shout out for bookie, but yeah, in other presentations, there's no hard sell from Google, but it's a, here's a QR code, scan, you can download the slides, please share it with your colleagues, and it, it feels to be far more collegiality, and a shortening of the distance between the companies and the classroom. I think that's what I've noticed more more as well, and then maybe it's an inside all the time recruitment retention, More and more teachers are now working with their tech companies, and that's changing the conversation. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, not necessarily a good thing for maybe a teacher in the classroom, but certainly when it comes to having that of closing the gap between sales teams and schools. Yeah, I think that's a nice thing. Is that more good for the companies than the teachers? Um. I, I'd say it's good for both parties, because actually, you know, there's always snake oil in, yeah. in, in, in EdTech, but the good companies do tend to rise to the top. And like teachers getting the teachers to make a difference, a lot of people in EdTech, yes, yeah, sure, you know, Microsoft, Google, yeah. they are who they are, right? Um, but a lot of startups, like, here, you know, teacher by profession, had a great idea trying to turn this into try and help people beyond, on and, and so you see so I think th- that's a really good thing actually yeah And that's where great innovation comes from one of the best areas that bet every year is the bet futures area yeah so exciting the innovation yeah, yeah. I think yeah you know, again if you close that gap and learn from teachers so that they can have better conversations um, respond co-create software and as I heard Al talking about co-creation software yesterday it helps serve teaching and learning and again, like, closing the like, gap can only be a good thing, but, uh, Kavita, I want to ask you next
2: uh, about your journey, because it's very interesting Do you want to tell us sort of a little bit about what you're doing here, what you've been doing, and what you're trying to do?
7: Absolutely. Uh, you mean for, at Synaptic or at BET? It's up
2: to you.
7: Okay. Um, so I'll uh, start with Synaptic. So Synaptic, about three years back, after spending 13 years in teaching, I... Um, we came up with this idea of myself and my friend who's a data scientist that we you know i have spent hours and hours marking weekends and science teachers it's literally like three subjects in one and she's seen me um and we were at that gap where we were like right, okay what else can we do in our life kind of a conversation when she said right maybe we can use technology or we can try and see if we can use technology to solve this problem yeah and we started off market research and throwing this idea out testing it out we had a mvp product out to see if what is the uptake what is the feedback from students and teachers and teachers were like blown away like i if i didn't do this i would be blown away by just the thought of having a product that will mark that will reduce my marking workload right and that's exactly the response was so then we took it ahead uh, got a bit of funding so built a team together and we started developing the product that we have today which has come with a lot of iterations which is what it does is it, it goes beyond well it, we don't focus on multiple choice questions all we do is questions that students will actually see in the exams yeah. starting from the one marker going up to six mark because that's what you have in the GCSE science which helps students to actually apply their knowledge to the exam questions and. Science teachers would know how much students struggle with that, because they learn the knowledge, but the application of it, they really struggle with. Teachers don't have the time to give them feedback on these longer answer questions. So now, for teachers, there is a tool. There is a tool that they can use. that's not recall, it's not quizzes, it's actual questions. Students get feedback on the answer instantly.
2: So are those questions built in within there, or their teachers input them in? No,
7: questions are all created in-house. Yeah. Uh, based on the specification of all the exam boards that we yeah, have, yeah. the tech is built in-house, so oh, everything yeah. is built so I in-house. Ask
2: you, with the development of that program, like, how long did it take you and the developers to make the program?
7: It took us two years. So we founded the company uh, three years back, and then we tested. It took a bit of time to market research and test everything, and we released the school app in November last yeah. year.
2: And uh, how many developers created the program?
7: We have two developers and one app. So when it comes to data scientists, yeah, we have three data scientists in the team. Yeah, yeah. And
2: is that is that development, does that include the pilot or is that two years of lit? No, it includes the, the pilot, includes it includes
7: the pilot, includes the pilot. Yeah, pilot, because yeah. everything, everything was towards part of the journey that way we are today. Oh, yeah, you. yeah.
2: Okay, I should have taken that line, by the way. They so won't be able to hear what I'm saying. Don't That's Don't mind all rubbish most of the time, anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, Bucky, okay, I'll ask you next. Um, uh, what are you doing
1: here? <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, i um, doing a number of different things. Networking, meeting people. You know, like I had a podcast interview this morning with um, with Mark. Um, just checking out stands and things like that. I'm doing presentations as well. Yep. So, yeah, lots of different things. Just to see what is out there as well. I mean, EdTech is something I love. So i
3: have come so here me, anyway. Let me yeah. ask you a
2: question. Because okay. you're, you're, still, you're still working in a school. So yeah. what sort of, like, when you go back to school, mm-hmm. is there anything that... Um, but well, not necessarily from that just from a, an ed tech point of view mm-hmm. like is there anything oh, yeah. at the moment where you're like I'm on this path
1: as say, a school
2: or as an individual?
1: Um, no, in, because I work in a special school, we can't be in a particular
2: no. path. It's got to be looking at what
1: works best for the young people. But what's been really interesting yesterday, for example, I mean, we mentioned Ollie Lewis. Ollie was talking about the fact that eSports is something he's interested in. Yeah, I've been interested in eSports as well yeah. for a long time. Yeah. First time yesterday to actually visit it. So I attended an eSports panel discussion, looking at students who have used the skills from eSports. When you think about eSports, you just think like losers, gamers in a basement by themselves, yeah. not doing anything. But to hear about the cross reference of skills, and how it parallels with traditional things like broadcasting, for example, really opened my eyes. So I've actually taken some of those things back to school and he said to my head teacher, look, yeah. this is something you could actually use and build upon for the skills for students and enhance. So that was a real eye-opener, things like that. So as I've gone round, anything because I've got like a so things in my head, anything that struck me, I've already shared it with my head teacher. So that next we want to go back, we can actually look upon it. But as I say, everything is around what works best for the young people and helping them develop their skills as well.
2: Uh, the guy on YouTube with a really long username has said hello. Hi, well, yeah. guy on YouTube with a really long username. We really appreciate your company here on the, uh, on the BAT live stream. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, one of the things that, you know, for me that I wanted – I'm, I'm interested in product development. I'm interested in startups. I'm interested in founders and all of that sort of stuff. So I'll ask you all, and any of you can chip in on this, but, like, what do you think is the key – to why? Why do you think some edtech companies fail and other edtech companies succeed?
1: Can Can I jump in? Because some people think they've got a great idea, but it doesn't link to. They have not. They've not had a conversation with educators to see does it actually work. Is it relevant and valuable? Is there a place for so, this? Sorry,
2: but people, you've just said it's been copyrighted by
3: Mark Anderson. Oh, has it? So okay. Well remember that. But, that. But, sorry, you uh, well, you know, because because you
1: have you can't you can't create an idea in isolation. We all yeah. come at by some things like that. And yeah. you know, as Mark said, you've yeah. got a lot more companies now, for example, who have educators who have engaged in the conversations. That is key. If you've got a brilliant idea, which is great, yeah, you know, as business, I get that. But if, it's not been, if you've not actually soundboarded it with anyone within education to say, has it got legs, yeah. whatever pitfalls or the rest of it, yeah. you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. That's the reality. Mark, oh, you've got a lot to say on
1: this, I'm
8: sure. I really have, yeah. I mean, te- right. uh, teaching computing, you yeah, know, we learn about... The... <laughs> it's like eight miles. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> Now, and this is a story all about how <laughs> um, we iterated our product up and down. No, um, I'll always remember. I think you were there actually, Bookie. Right, The Tez organised. Uh, this sort of round table thing. We went to meet EdTechs, and they were and they went round and there were loads of products. there. I won't mention their names. Yeah, yeah. that That would be churlish of me, but you know, there were some there that are still around today and there are some that aren't. Yeah, okay. uh, And they had so much, there was one company that had like literally tens of millions of VC funding behind it. Loads and loads and loads, right? Now, they got their when, sometimes when founders are so close to their products, yeah, they don't, and this is the boogie's feedback, right? When you don't listen, and I mentioned co-creation, I'll yeah. mention it yesterday as well. When you don't listen to your target audience, your idea might be great, but you need to, you, you can't be a horse with your blinkers on, because if you don't look beyond the blinkers and, and, and sometimes, and, and you'll love it, it's, 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 your, it's your beast, it's your pet, you've poured your love and heart into it and all the rest of it. But if you can't listen to that external feedback, yeah, then that, that's the biggest thing to and, and the ones that, when we did the it was like speed dating, yep. five minute feedback, round, 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 round. Let's go, go, go. Yeah. If you don't listen, yeah. and, and the ones that listen are still going. Some of them have got the biggest stance here today, yeah. right? A, a, yeah. and, and the ones that didn't, they're not around anymore. Yeah. So, some are still around, but that would be my biggest thing. You need to take on board that feedback. and Bearing in mind... What you know, the s- sort of feedback Well, Anything, everything... De- it depends on what it is, it, on your products. Yeah. Or, right? But some of you know, you, when... when I, I talk business and design computing, right? And in business, we talk about the product life cycle. Uh, where, uh, where you, you, know, you start, you have growth, you have maturity and the declines, so you have to iterate and bring it. Well, the same sort of processes apply when it comes to thinking about product development. Yeah. You now, you start, you go through your code, and you'll have done this, you'll have Things that work, for it, where you have to iterate it and improve it. And that's why we have version one, version two, version three, so forth and so on. And we build it up and build it up and build it up. Listen to Microsoft, for example, you know, uh, uh, or look at Microsoft and all of the other companies, they're always adding new functionality in, right? And with my head, I would edit a department hat, and I always used to sort of survey my students, and I'd tell you, you know how did we do, right? And and I would make sure on our digital signage, you know, you said we did, right? And then, go, yeah, no homework. Well, you know, sometimes yeah. and we have a whole conversation about homework, right? Uh, efficacy, all those sort of things. But you, know, you don't have to listen to all the feedback. You decide what's applicable. Yeah. But if it's going to have, and, and then speak to others, but if it's going to have an impact and improve things on your product life cycle and on your development, then it has to be done. But one of the things you have to bear in mind is, is the cost of some of these things sometimes. So a lot of companies will work on cloud-based. Yeah. yeah. Uh, every call to the cloud will cost some money. Yeah. Right. It also will cost time in dev in development. Yeah. You know. So you have to balance and weigh up. Will this development actually be too expensive? Can we do it now? When can we do it? What well, is there? Are lots and lots and lots of considerations, but. The short version is you, you have to listen to feedback. You decide when it's right and appropriate to, to pick and so on. We could spend sense. for hours. So.
7: I can add to that. I mean, as a founder of Synaptic, it is really hard to sell into the school's market. Yes. Um, anybody who has started an ed tech company. Why
2: is it, that why, why is, is that hard to sell into the school market? Um, that may be an obvious question, but I, I'm genuinely asking. It,
1: it, it, depends on how, uh, sorry, it, it depends on how it's done. Um, if I go back, I mean, I've been involved in EdTech for over 10 years. I think we've, yeah, we've known each other about 10 years. And so what was my first go-to? Sometimes you get companies that, you've got this fantastic product, all the rest of it. Yeah. I don't know what it's for in terms of, you know, who the demographics, how yeah. it's going to make an impact, why I'm yeah, going to yeah, invest yeah, my time yeah, yeah, into this to make, you know, yeah. those particular things. They've got claims, apparently, which aren't worth, Anything. So I think there's a lot of skepticism, yep. you know, over the years as well about the fact that some of the tech we've used yep. and tried has had the impact. So there's various ways, but I think that there's also, you know, the cold calling work, you know, aspect doesn't work. Yeah. You can't just pick somebody. You need do to. No, plan. no, no, no. You can't. It doesn't. You've got to have the conversation That's what I'm saying. The really weird thing about tech is, is, is through networking. it's through networks, it's conversation conversations and but things you, like that. But. But then it's going. As I say, so for example, I can't remember her name. Is, uh, there's a woman, Sophie, whose surname's forgotten, but she basically used to do like com- uh, uh, podcasts and interviews with different egg tech representatives. Thank you, yeah, Safety Bailey. Oh, she's great. So uh, what she the did? tech podcast.
2: Yeah, That's right. EdTech yes. Podcast. So
1: what she did, which was really phenomenal, was actually this was years ago,
2: 2018, 2019. She said that call, I mean. Oh, What?
1: No. <laughs> <kidding>? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. What she did was she created a, a, a small space where edtech companies and educators could come together and talk, and then you've got net you know people who understand the rationale, believe in the integrity of it, can actually think about you know the impact, and go back to their schools and have the conversations with those who are responsible leadership and saying look this is good, let's give it a go, and that's where it'll get you get your foot through the door. Otherwise, it's just like you're shouting it to a distance, nobody knows, got got and you. there's so many out there as well. Got you, got yeah, you.
7: Anyway, no, I all of that but let me just kind of finish where i was going to so yes it's hard to sell into schools for all of these reasons but also because it's not the top in a teacher's priority list now synaptic from day one from day one was built with teachers so it is a product that has been not not just with me but teachers along right but even we are still finding it hard and that's because when teachers have to have they're dealing with behavior issues talking about just Faculty of Science, because that's what an Africa caters to today, right? So behavior issues, staff retention, so they are dealing with those. So unless those are resolved, they are not really going to come and say, right, okay, what else can I look for to improve my teaching and learning? Even though that is going to come back and impact the behavior and retention, it's like that cycle that we are stuck in. But the other main factor also is investment. It is so hard, and if Raj, my co-founder, who was there, yeah. who, was, who was the one who was raising funds, would say, it is so difficult to raise funds in EdTech, especially post-COVID. Why? Because during COVID and just after COVID, EdTech investment was at the peak. But now, it has kind of died down. Investors are not really looking at EdTechs that sell into school as a fundable business. So, you, again, that's the cycle Why? again. Why? Because for the same but reasons. The reason because you said, yeah, you yeah, you yeah, said yeah, yeah. right? So, so companies like us, we have a great tool. Teachers believe in it, it. Teachers want it. This is reducing mark load, truly taking it off. However, we have to stay in the market, sustain ourselves for at least five to seven years to then to see the uptake and the reach yeah. that you see. But yeah. to survive that five to seven years, we need support from the education community, but yeah. also from investors yeah. to allow the business to survive and to iterate and to take, develop the tech. Yeah.
0: So it's so almost it's,
2: like a, a I was going to call it a vicious circle, but yeah. it's like, yeah. a, it's all combined together, it doesn't it?
7: Also to add on to that, investors look for returns in edtech the way they see in health tech and fintech. But this is a different market. You're not yeah. going to see growth in edtech the way you see
2: in how, how, Obviously, you might not want to answer this specifically, but... What sort of growth do these investors want to see? I mean, you know, do they, how much time? 10 does, times, 20 times? No, but how much time do they give you to, you know? But it uh, depends
7: on the amount that you've raised, isn't it? So if you're raised, for example, again, three, three years back when we raised half a million, yeah. it was enough for us to just have an MVP product out. But then the at goal, the post, end at the, uh, yes, but the goalpost shifted because investment went dry in a tech market after that post COVID. So then now, where you we were okay to just have an MVP product out and a little bit of traction, you wanted to, you had to show growth, but we were not there yet. So it was hard because, yeah, you've just had a product out. How are you also going to go show growth in a market where it is already yeah. very difficult it to a sell? Bit like
2: Is it a bit like Dragon's Den, where you have to like give away? Dragon's Den probably is that, that is that is, that is that probably is. the extreme. And but so again you talk right, from an it's in- scenes is <laughs> like no it's head. not it's because not because every time I have a conversation I'm like is it like Dragon's Den? <laughs>
8: yeah.
7: But we do have to say yeah, we do have so we have a, we have right eye investors who are an edtech tech impact fund who have believed in us from day one, invested, yeah. reinvested in us, yeah. but there are very few of those who actually believe in the founders, yeah. believe in the tech to oh, help us. Amazing. So yes. yeah So Brilliant. No, I'm just interested in the whole
2: model you know from of how the growth of the companies from idea to to now because some of the companies you mentioned some you can tell me tell me a company that's here that only started in the last five years that's that's a relatively big company
1: now
8: any what's interesting actually we were talking about the cost of actually being at bets yeah and so actually you know, some some developers that are being that are, doing really really well I've actually voted with their feet and so are actually not at bet this year and they're taking up places outside the arena on the sunborn for example or you know, some of the hotels the Prime class down the road you know someone's going actually walk the, walk the walk the aisles you know it depends on where you're at in your journey and, and, and what you're looking for so one of the things that cabinet um, is looking for now really is brand awareness and, and working with authentic people who are in the industry you know but one of the things I would say you know, Getting technology right in itself isn't that much of a difficult thing. What's really difficult is implementation, because you know getting your infrastructure right in your school, you know people know how to do things, they're trained in it, all the rest of it. But teachers are so time poor, and you know, often it's the, the problem isn't on the technology. It's so it's what happens between the technology and the chair. You know the, the, the teacher using I often use that sort of analogy. That's why a lot of companies spend a lot of time working with teachers and leaders to support the training and, and the ideas and, and it's a slow burn because teachers are- You've got to remember to you register, you talk about workload all the time. times, mean, it's, it's, it's a busy, busy job in your yeah. mind, the cognitive load of teachers, and then you've got to remember how to, if you've been told you have to use this new product, when you've got all these other pressures going on, it's really hard, and that's why, I can't, I can't say, finding the time to actually get in to have a conversation about a new products, where the time comes, yeah. you know. So it's, it's, it's really hard. I
2: wanted to ask to finish off uh, for each of you. This could be quite a short question. Is uh, your prediction for the next year or two years, let's say, because we're in January twenty-four. So next year to two years of the next big fad in education technology.
8: I don't. I don't believe. I, I, Nothing. Technology, yeah, is amazing. And it gives us the opportunity to do things that wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the technology. But what I've seen growth in, which I'm so pleased about, and it's not technology, it's thinking and, and research into actually what works. Right? Uh, and so, you know, pedagogical advocacy, having a sort of pedagogy-first approaches to things, starting with thinking about teaching and learning. I have, I have three sort of more stars I've all sort of shared. It means that you have to, if the technology doesn't either help you with your teaching or help the students with their learning or reduce your workload, then it's probably not going to be worthwhile. Yeah. It has to, those are the three big areas of the focus, right? And you know, just because you can, just because you can wear a VR headset, a healthy dose of so what? Yeah. Right? And, and, And I get, I love technology. I always share with people how much I play. I play a game with my children called Pokemon Go. I literally have here a Gotcha, which will catch Pokemon and spin Pokemon. I love yeah. tech myself. Yeah. Yeah. But would I use this with kids in the classroom? Of course, I wouldn't. Yeah. Right, because it's not going to have an impact on their learning. Right. So yeah, keep keep your focus, and that's what I'm seeing more and more of, and I want to see more and more of. It's a real focus on what works, and keeping it on, yeah, you know, reducing workload. Helping teaching, helping learning. And that's sort of been, That's why I love what she's offering you know, so, so much. I want to see more of these sorts of things in the classroom. Anything on fads that you want to add?
1: All of these AI machine learning type fads, I think that's got a place, but you know, all of these like chat type things that are like, oh my goodness. But do
2: you think, do you, but some of those seem to be being quite successful? From an outside perspective. I don't know if they actually are, but I'm just saying from a... It's
1: when it's banded around, you think, oh, is it really? And it's nothing to do with what they're actually saying. That really irritates me. I think we're going to move away from that. What I'm hoping we see more of are in terms of tech looking at accessibility features and things like that. I think there'll be a good growth in that. Why do I say that? Not just working in a special school, but we're having more young people, you know, like being classified as having special educational needs and disabilities. And also, hopefully, it'd be good to see trends in terms of how technology can actually help with mental health and well-being yeah
2: Got you. I turn to finish off with that
7: um, my hope for the next two years is that every school in the UK has access to device in school and the network is really strong because once we get those two correct then digital learning will be more evenly spread across now it's still more selective so to kind of help that digital divide and make sure it does not become more wide i think that needs to happen first so i'm just hoping that that is addressed
0: this is teachers talk radio at the bet show you've been listening to teachers talk radio
5: tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org